Welcome to Patriotic Pulpit. If you are going to create a world government, if you're going to create, hypothetically speaking, a world body that can control all the peoples of the globe, control all of the decisions that they make, all of their ideas and their concepts, control their movement, control the monies they spent or they would spend, what would that government look like? What would it entail? Well, first of all, you would have to have a governing apparatus, wouldn't you? You would have to have some kind of apparatus that would include, first of all, an executive branch that would be something to execute the laws that were passed by some kind of legislature. You would have to have laws that are passed, and you would have to have an executive branch that would be able to execute those particular laws. And that ex uh, execution of the laws would include, for example, you would have to have some kind of police force You'd have to have at your disposal some kind of army, some kind of enforcement mechanism in order to cause the peoples of the globe to do exactly what this world body, this world government would, would design to do. Now, obviously, we're talking in hypotheticals only. So you'd have to have the apparatus would include an executive branch. You would have to include also a, a legislative branch, that is a branch or a an arm of the government that would actually legislate for all the peoples of the globe. And that's what the global government would have to look like. It would be a world government. This is how you design it. It would have to have some kind of legislative mechanism to pass the laws, to get the laws in place that are required that all people must obey. They would have to have that. You would have to have also some kind of place that you can adjudicate problems that might come up. Then it, that is any question, any, any case that might arise, whether a person has actually violated this global government or not violated the global government, you'd have to have something in place, a mechanism in place where, where, by which these things can be adjudicated. And, and you would not want that everybody, all the citizens of the globe, you would not want them all to be able to be participatory in it and looking at it because if you're going to control it from the top down, a socialistic style, remember, hypothetically only, if you're going to do it that way, you don't want everybody involved in it and everybody able to raise protests and say, you know what, uh, he did nothing less than we did. And that can be, you don't want that to take place, but you want some place to adjudicate all this. So you'd have to have a, a judicial system also. Remember, the important thing, you'd have to have an enforcement mechanism. Now, if you wanted to get it started, you could say, well, it's all voluntary only. Member states, member nations could voluntarily put their people into a, a, an enforcement mechanism, and you put maybe blue helmets on them, light blue, or something like that, in order to enforce the laws that you pass, enforce the ideas and the concepts that you want to have. But here's something else that you'd have to have. You'd have to have absolutely a money supply. You'd have to have or the control of the money supply. You'd have to be able to have some kind of banking system that was global, wouldn't you? In order to, in order to redistribute the monies from one peoples to the other, because after all, some people with their free enterprise concepts in the, in the globe, they are, uh, they're individuals who might make a lot of money and they might become very wealthy. But you don't want people becoming so wealthy because after all, you want everybody to be on the same kind of playing field and the same plane. And so you'd have to have some kind of world bank to take money from the wealthy countries and give it to the poorer countries. After all, that's only right. That's only fair. You'd have to have a, 
global or international kind of banking system, would you not? Well, obviously you would. And not only that, but you'd have to have some kind of educational system. The educational system that is in place that would have to be global in its concept. That would be, you want people to be thinking globally. You want them to think that they're citizens of the world. You'd want them to think if you're in a global government and this is what you're pushing. By the way, you don't want to say it all right up front. Say, this is what we're about. You might say, we're just governing globally and this is world governance, and that people, okay, that's all right. You, you'd have to think about it that way. And so you'd have to educate all the peoples of the globe that you're global citizens, you're world citizens. You're, why, would, why would that have uh, an important effect? Well, because it would have a deleterious effect on any nationalism. Nationalism, you'd have to make it an ugly word. You know, we don't want any national, we don't want any America first people we want people to think globally, and that's what has to be. So this is exactly what you have to have in place for a global government to work, and that's exactly what actually we do have in the United Nations. Now, before I move on, let me say that there's one piece that's missing, and I want you to think about what that piece might be. What piece might be missing from all of that that we've just talked about, that absolutely needs to be in place in order for a global system to work. Now, before we get to that, let's think about exactly, this is precisely what is already in place with the United Nations. Now, at first, the United Nations, of course, born in 1945, the United Nations, they tried to start it back in Woodrow Wilson's period. And Woodrow Wilson, remember, in the early part of the 20th century, uh, he wanted, and they called it the League of Nations. But, you know, there were a lot of American senators and congressmen who were on board. But there were some senators and congressmen who were not on board. And they said, oh, this is, this is, to re this is going to remove the sovereignty of the United States. And they, and they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And so they, that, that didn't work. It was scuttled. But finally, they had a man in place that was... Franklin D. Roosevelt, and boy, he was all, was, let's make it global. And so right after that, the World War II, that is, they put it in place. And the United Nations exactly has these precise pieces in place. For example, it has an executive branch. That is, a branch that to execute the laws that the world international body passes in order for you to obey. And that's to execute them. So it has to have this executive branch and it's called the Security Council. Now we don't want it to be the Security Council, they thought. Well, we don't want it to be where you can have a popular vote and the majority rules. We don't want that. No, 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 no. We don't want that. We want, we want instead, we want it to be formed on the basis of a Security Council with some nations. We've got to have communist nations in there because after all, this is a socialistic government we're after here. So we have to be able to say that if one member state with one vote can override and overturn and negate any legislation that was passed, isn't it amazing that anybody would go along with this? But that's exactly how it was put up in 1945. There were five, five nations on the Security Council. I think there are 13 today. And only one state can say, no, no, we don't want it. 
And that's not going to be, and it would be scuttled. So America, boy, I tell you what, we're, we're at the goodwill of the United Nations. And you'd have to have a legislative, a legislative branch, and that would be a general assembly. That's exactly what the United Nations has. It has a general assembly, but you've got to have a security council because it can't, it can't just the general assembly pass laws and be done. You've got to go to the security council and we've got to have a socialistic nation, China or Russia. Oh, that's what we do have on the security council. So they will be able to say, no, no, we're not doing that. And they've got to be able to negate it immediately. You also have to have an enforcement arm, as we've mentioned. That's exactly what we do have. We have, we have a global army. Oh, they do wear blue helmets, and they have, a, they have a flag. It's not a nationalistic flag. It's an international flag, a picture of the globe on it. And that's exactly what we have. And they have a, it's a national, international police force. And we have to be able to disarm different member states, and so they have to have power. So that's what we do have. It's voluntary only at this point, but, you know, we need to make it a permanent one, and that's what many of our presidents have wanted to do. And we have to have, remember, this judicial branch of it. What's a judicial branch? That would be a court to adjudicate different cases that came up before it. And that's exactly what we do have with the United Nations. It has an international criminal court, and they can whisk you away to Brussels or any other any other city, Brussels. Rush you away to Switzerland or other country and have you have you brought before the bar of international justice. You don't have any jury of your peers. How about that money supply? You'd have to have that money supply, remember, in place. And that money supply is exactly what we do have. Not simply the money supply, but the control of the money through an international banking system. That's exactly what the United Nations has. There's the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund. What's the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of it is that we might siphon off the money from wealthy nations, wonder who those are, America, and redistribute to other nations because that's the socialistic mantra. So you have to have that money supply. You'd have to have an educational system in place. That's exactly what the United Nations has. It's called UNESCO. That is the United Nations Education, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And it is to mandate the educational system that is done in any nation that would be resistant because we have to create global citizens. We have to address education. We have to train people to think globally and what's good for international rights instead of nation states. You'd have to have a health system in place and the health system that was, oh, that's well, well, it does have that. The United Nations has the World Health Organization. So if they tell you to take the shot, you can, you're going to have to take the shot, and that's all, whatever it might be. And that's exactly what we do have in place, the World Health Organization. But remember, I pointed out, there's one area, one specific area that really is not yet touched. We have not touched upon it yet, and I wanted you to think what it is, and that is religious belief, because religious belief are those concepts given to us by God, natural law, and through his revelation, the Bible, that teach people that rights are given to us by God and that governments are not to be removing those rights, that is, with, unless we have violated the law, and we are to be protected in our natural rights by a government, 
government, and that's exactly what the Bible teaches. So we're going to have to have, if we have this international body, something in place to replace biblical Christianity. And that's exactly what the United Nations is after right now. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. We've seen what this world government would have to look like. But the one leg that is missing is the spiritual aspect, a religious element to it. And that is exactly what the United Nations has been working on for many, many years. And we'll look at some things pertaining to that in just a moment. Let's back up and think about we have the world government in place. That is the world governance. And it has basically six different legs to it. And one of the legs is what is called ECOSOC, that is Economic and Social Council. And the social element of this ECOSOC, that would be the Social Council of the United Nations, has beneath its aegis, beneath its umbrella, it has the World Health Organization, it has the World Bank, and it has also UNESCO, that is the United Nations Economic Social Council, but it also has a united religion international. You see, they've planned also for all of this for many, many years. United Religion International, URI. Look it up. So, the United Religion International. So let's just think for a moment in broad terms. Why would we need a world religion? If we're going to have a world government, why would we need a world religion? We've talked about it in the first segment some, let's just go back to one of the socialist founders, and that would be Joseph Stalin. Joseph, remember Karl Marx called himself himself a socialist, a scientific socialist. He was anything but scientific, but called himself a scientific socialist. Joseph Stalin was a socialist, and here's what Stalin had to say regarding America. He said, America is like a healthy body, and its resistance is threefold. Resistance in America is threefold. Number one, patriotism. Number two, morality. Number three, spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. All right, let's think about those three areas for a moment. Patriotism, that would be America first. We don't want America first. Matter of fact, there was a man who ran for president became president on an America first agenda and the globalists of the world hated him and they still hate him. The Republican, many Republicans and all the Democrats are all globalists because they want to be global citizens first. America, no, no. We don't want any nationalism because that's an ugly, nasty word. We don't want America first. So patriotism has to go. And that's exactly what Joseph Stalin said is going to have to take place. We're going to have to think about global citizenship. So many Republicans are on board with that. Isn't that a crying shame? It is. But nevertheless, patriotism, morality. We're going to have to get rid of moral concepts. We're going to have to get rid of a moral code, a moral standard, and its spiritual life. That's the third thing that Stalin said. Well, that's exactly where we are. That's exactly what's taking place in America. And so in order to supplant that, because we get rid of that, we'll supplant that 
we have in the United Nations, created already for us, United Religions International. It's going to have to be a world religion, a global religion. And what religion do you think is going to have to go? First and foremost, Christianity. And first and foremost, the constitution of Christianity, the Bible. We have to get rid of that. We'll talk about that in a moment because that is on the agenda right now. That's where we're going in this particular program. So here's a globalist. He was actually a Catholic priest, I believe, uh, and is a Frenchman by the name of Pierre Teilhard de Chardon. He said, the fate of mankind, as well as of religion, depends upon the emergence of a new faith in the future. So he was, as we know him today, a new age theologian. He was a Jesuit priest, but he is a new age theologian. We've got to have an emergence of a new faith because if we're going to get rid of the other, we're going to have to have something to replace it. You know, Marx understood that the control of children from infancy would have to take place. And in order to do that, we're going to have to have some kind of religious value, what we will call religion because it's not going to be religious really, but we're going to have to have a value system to replace Christianity. And so children are wards of the state all the way from the time they're born. As a matter of fact, this is interesting. If we might just put a peg down here and come back to it in a moment. This is exactly what the liberals, the Democrats, and many Republicans believe and say they have believed for a long time. For example, Hillary Clinton, she's always said for for the last 40 years that children are citizens or wards of the state. That is, the state is the caretaker of children, not family. And she wrote a book about it. That is, it takes a village. We have to have a village. It's going to be their children are wards of the state. And so many people today on the left say exactly the same thing. So children are wards of the state. So that's how it's going to have to be. In order to do that, we're going to have to replace Christian concepts with religious values of a world religion. So over the ages, many have tried to conquer the world. And today they're of course on, on course to achieve this very purpose, the very purpose, whether it be the Fabians, the Bilderbergers, George Soros, the United Nations, the deep state, various other nefarious organizations, NGOs, all these organizations. And they have learned a lot from the New Agers, such as the, the Helena Blavatsky, Annie Besant, Alice Bailey, Mikhail Gorbachev, Robert Mueller, Alistair Crowley. Actually, I've had a series of lessons at the Iowa Park Church of Christ on this very, the very religious beliefs, and that is these New Age beliefs. All of these, the United Nations has learned from. Actually, if you go into the United Nations today, into the building of the United Nations, it would be different if you go to the, to the room that is a spiritual room or a chapel. You go into a hospital, for example, you go to a chapel and, and what are you going to see? Well, you'll, you'll see a cross in there and, you'll, and it'll be encouraging you to pray for the people who are your loved ones in the hospital in another room in the hospital and you're in a chapel. What kind of chapel do they have at the United Nations building in New York? Well, it's not, not a chapel that embraces or even, even exemplifies Christianity. It's a New Age room because this is what they want, that New Ages. So New Ageism is going to be the religious belief of the United Nations. That's what they're pushing. 
So all globalists, all globalists, those who are working to bring about a world government backed by a world religion are on this particular side. So we want to introduce to you an Episcopal bishop who is really a globalist, a new ager, and his name is William Swing. What does William Swing have to teach us? Well, William Swing is the founder and the president emeritus of the United Religions Initiative. That would be United Religions, URI, beneath ECOSOC, which is a United Nations organization. Bishop Swing had the original vision of URI in 1993 in response to an invitation from the United Nations. You see, they've been planning this for a long time. And they asked him to host an interfaith service honoring the 50th anniversary of the signing of the United Nations Charter. So here's how Bishop Swing, the Episcopal Bishop, put it. He said, the United Nations telephoned me in 1993 asking me if the United Nations could come back to Grace Cathedral for its 50th anniversary. Of course, he said. But the stated vision was that the UN wanted all the nations, all the religions at the big service. An absurd request, he said, but some of us spent two years trying to figure out how to get all the religions shoehorned into that tiny little boot. This absurd exercise changed our souls. When the UN 50th was over, we were intoxicated by a vision. If there was a United Nations, what about creating united religions? All religions in one. In an interview in the San Francisco Chronicle four years later, Bishop Swing decided that there was indeed a need to rewrite the scriptures and the theology of all the world's religions. Oh, here you go. I told you they're after the Bible. They're after Christianity. They want to rewrite the scriptures and the belief system, the theology of the world's religion. But it's not, not all the world's religions they're really after. They're after Christianity. They're after you. That's what the United Nations is after. And so here's how Bishop Swing went on to talk about it. He said, maybe, and this is the interview in the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Chronicle. He said, maybe we have to take a deeper look at theology. I think that religions are based on assumptions of truth being mediated from the creator to the created. That's an assumption. You believe the Bible was given you by God? No, that's an assumption. We've got to get rid of that. These truths are divinely inspired and sacred for the people who hold them. I think all religions of the world have a blind spot. I wonder who he has in mind here. Oh, that's, that's you. If there's a united religions pursuing a dialogue in depth, it begins to ask larger questions and force religions to make larger statements. We've got to be more inclusive. You cannot be so narrow-minded as to believe that Christ is the only way to heaven, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And as a matter of fact, we do have on tap to read to you from statements that are made by other you are United Religion people and globalists, that that is exactly, in so many words, what they tell us thereafter, to destroy New Testament Christianity. We'll be back in a moment. If you want to receive or be able to have access to Patriotic Pulpit, we are on couple of apps that you can have. Number one, 
would be the Amazon Music app, Patriotic Pulpit. Or you can find it on Spotify app as well. I have a website which is behind the scenes called American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. That was what we used to call the show. There is a button on there that don't you can have a donation, a donation button. If you wish to help the program, support it, that's completely up to you. So you have that access also. We also have articles on the News Talk 1290 website. News Talk 1290 is a radio station out of Wichita Falls. It's also a 96.3 AM dial. We're also appearing in or on the radio in uh, Abilene, also in Lubbock. And so those are the areas that you can find the material that I have here. Now, there's also another website that you can go to, and that is Bible Studies with Bill Lockwood. I'm at the Iowa Park Church of Christ. I preach in the pulpit of the Church of Christ. And so you can go to Bible Studies with Bill Lockwood. You can find things there. My sermons are there. You can find Bible class material. We're teaching on the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. You have uh, sermons that are there reaching all the way back for however many years it may be. So that's how you find us. There's also the website, iowaparkcoc.org, iowaparkcoc.org. So that's how you find the material. That's how you get in touch with us. Support us if you wish to do so. Let's go back to this global religion for just a moment, this globalist idea. Now, remember, we're talking about Bishop Swing. Bishop Swing is pretty interesting, man. Uh, Episcopal bishop, you think, well, the Episcopals are Bible believers. No, not not at all. (laughs) No, not at all. Here's an Episcopal bishop. And he said, listen to this. Here's, Here's what he has to say regarding God. And I want you to hear carefully what he has to say. Since the purpose of religion is the service and worship of God, and he uses God, capital G here, all religions and spiritual movements need to have a common language and common purpose for all to worship a shared God. And on this God, he uses a small g. All of us have in common a shared God. What exactly is he talking about? What does he have in mind on this? Then he goes on to say, there are hundreds of religions that have jumped and, and he's talking about hundreds of religions who are sh- sharing this God. And what does he have in mind by that? Well, he goes on to say, For more than 100 years, visionaries have been dreaming of a day when the world's religions could work together for peace. That day is coming soon. Now, think about what he just said. A hundred years or more, people have worked on bringing all these religions together to worship a shared God, small g. Sounds paganistic, doesn't it? Well, it is paganistic. That's all that it is. And this is an Episcopal bishop, Bishop Swing. Now, not only so, but working 100 years, that sounds conspiratorial, doesn't it? You mentioned conspiracy, and people just, they throw a shoe. They, they actually bust a gasket. They go, ha! Ah. Well, here they are talking about it. Bishop Swing says, you know, we've been working for 100 years to get this in place. That takes us back to, let's see, oh, that's the time of Woodrow Wilson where he had the League of Nations and they wanted to get United Religions at that point also, the United Religion Initiative. Exactly so, Bishop Swing tells us. So let's go back to another man for just a moment. And that man is Pierre Telhar de Chardon. I think that's how you say his name, Frenchman. He says, every aspect of existence from the earth itself to human beings as moving to the purposeful 
forward motion to the omega point. And for him, that is the person moving in this direction, Christogenesis is the process by which the universe turns completely into Christ. It's simply the last phase of evolution. He presented to the people of his day a new world religion he considered as Christian, writes another person. But it was merely the vehicle for moving humanity to a new theological mindset, Christogenesis. The universe becomes completely Christ. What is This is New Age nonsense. Here's another religious individual, a Catholic priest, not an Episcopal priest this time, making this concept. You see, Telhar believed that he was giving the world a better Christianity, a religion that blended faith in God with faith in the world. Chardon openly referred to this as the birth of a new faith. This is exactly what they desire, the birth of a new faith. That's precisely what they're driving to. So what does that mean? Forget your Bible. Forget the Bible at all. We don't need the Bible. They don't want the Matter of fact, they hate the Bible. We'll see that in just a moment. Before we get there, let's talk about another individual. His name is Brock Chisholm. He's a UN globalist again. He says to achieve world government, Brock Chisholm now, to achieve world government, See, they're unabashed in what they say. It is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, their loyalty to family traditions, national patriotism, and religious dogmas. Now, where have we heard that before? Where did we hear that just today? You heard it from Joseph Stalin. To achieve world government, he says, this is Chisholm speaking, and we've got to remove from the minds of men individualism. That is, you don't have individual rights. You've got to remove loyalty to family traditions. You don't have a family. You're part of a global family. National patriotism. Remember, Stalin said we've got to get rid of patriotism. And now Chisholm says we've got to get rid of religious dogmas. He's been reading Joseph Stalin, but he is a United Nations globalist. He's one of the leading individuals who's pushing the leading preachers of the new global religion. What are they following? Whose books are they reading? Joseph Stalin. Is it becoming clear now to you what the global religion is all about? Gaia, Mother Earth, that's, that's the United Religion International. They're all taking their t- talking points from this. These are the religious dogmas of the new world order. Let's talk about this religious dogmas. They say we've got to get rid of them. So let's talk about some of these dogmas for a moment. Let's talk about a particular individual. And this is a state senator, Peter Hoagland from Nebraska, no less, 1983. And Hoagland thought we needed to remove, be removed from the minds of people different dogmas. And so I want you to listen carefully. He's a globalist because we have many senators, many congressmen right on board with all of this, not just the Pierre Chardon, not just the Bishop Swings, none of the, not that only, but you have senators and congressmen, Hoagland being one of them. And Hoagland said this in 1983, no less, get this, fundamental Bible-believing people do not have the right to indoctrinate their children in religious beliefs because we, the state, are preparing them for the year 2000. 
when America will be a part of the one world global society and their children will not fit in. Oh, there you have it. He's a globalist and he's Democrat from the state of Nebraska. What is he, where does he differ from Hillary Clinton? Well, he doesn't. Where does he differ from many of the neocon Republicans? Well, he doesn't because global citizenship. We've got to get rid of this mindset that we believe the Bible. And he said very plainly, children are wards of the state. You don't have the right to teach your children biblical doctrine. Restrain them from teaching the Bible. We've got to have moral relativism. Moral relativism will make, that's what we need in order to have all peoples, all cultures, all, e- all equal value. You, your, cultures, your culture is not any more valuable than any other. It's not any higher value than any other culture. That's what they believe. That's what they want. And so they pushed for this. Now, this is what social justice is all about. You're going to gut historical religions to the point where empty of value. You're going to have to replace Christianity with an amalgamated system of gay worship, pantheism, new age mysticism, theosophy, universalism, social justice. Now it's put into our schools, it's libraries, politically incorrect histories written this way. Town squares have statues celebrating great forebears of new ageism. And that's exactly what we have. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about one other individual, and he is once again hardwired into the United Nations. He's a Swiss Swiss Catholic priest, died in only 2021 by the name of Hans Kuhn. And he tells you exactly it is the Bible that we're going to get replaced. We'll be back in just a moment. Hans Kuhn was a Swiss Catholic priest who passed away in 2021. But he actually was a globalist, wanted a global religion, and a new ager. So one of the things that Hans Kuhn did, and back in 1990, he wrote a paper called Global Responsibility. And here's a copy of it. Global Responsibility. And Global Responsibility, he tells us what this new world religion is going to have to look like, what it's going to look like. And so here's how he outlines it. First of all, however, they have to attack the Bible. And so Kuhn is very plain to attack the Bible. He tells us, first of all, for example, that Moses borrowed his writings from Hammurabi, the Code of Hammurabi. That actually, of course, is one of those canards that many, all liberals, all of them participate in. They tell us, well, uh, Moses was not original in his thoughts and he borrowed from Code of Hammurabi. You know, it's all an assumption, but that's how they want to say it because the Bible can't be inspired. And furthermore, human beings have had their heads in the cloud. If you think that the Bible is inspired of God, that God is a God-breathed book, then you've had your head in the clouds and you don't realize that human beings, he tells us, have autonomy. They, that is, he's borrowing word from the Humanist Manifesto here. He says, people themselves are responsible for the concrete shaping of their morality. Autonomous. Well, that's exactly what the Humanist Manifesto reads. So morality is human-shaped. It's not God-revealed, not God-given at all. He tells us even those who have no religion can also lead a life which is authentically human, in this case, moral. This is the expression of human autonomy in the world. So we don't need, we don't need revelation from God. And what is it to be authentically human anyway? 
And then he tells us one cannot turn to the Bible for answers on birth control and termination of pregnancy, abortion, euthanasia, etc. So he's attacking the Bible everywhere. He attacks Christianity. I think this is interesting. One of the most interesting things that I see liberals do, and that is, he tells us, Christians should not forget that Christianity has a terrible history of persecution of heretics and those of other beliefs, and above all Jews. He tells us that on page 82. So fascinating that he would say that because, number one, it's a bald-faced lie. It's absolutely a not only a misreading of history, misunderstanding of history, and it is simply, it's simply that people pipe all the time. They say, well, Christians persecuted Jews. Christians persecuted... No. No, that, what they mean is the Roman Catholic Church persecuted these individuals, and there's no, there is no common ground with the Roman Catholic Church and the Church of the New Testament. The Roman Catholic Church is not the Church of the New Testament. Just as a simple test, you just go to the New Testament and look at what the New Testament teaches regarding the New Testament Church. Do you find the Pope in there? Do you find the Holy Roman See? Do you find that there's a, a capital called the Vatican? Do you find uh, the bishops that are all ordained? Do you find devoting into sainthood? Do you find all the ordinances of worship? Do you find the whole... Co you don't find anything that is peculiar to the Roman Catholic Church in the New Testament itself. They don't even, when they try to debate, they usually don't debate, they don't want to discuss this, these things. They try to say, well, all of these things grew out of the New Testament because they recognize the cognizant of the fact that the Roman Catholic Church has nothing that is peculiar to the Roman Church, nothing in common with New Testament Christianity. So no, Hans Kuhn, it is not that Christianity has persecuted people of other faith. The Roman Catholic Church has persecuted people of other faith. Let's get it straight. But he should have known that. He's a Catholic priest. He attacks God. He says God is a construct of the human mind. And he says you need to quit appealing to the divine. Instead, you need to listen to such voices as, I suppose, UNESCO, that is United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. He attacks Jesus Christ. He says Christ is not the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But if you believe that, you're closed-minded. You're a simple-minded person. You have your head in the clouds. He said truth has been given to other people as well. This is Hans Kuhn speaking. And capitalism. He attacks capitalism throughout this book called Global Responsibility. Capitalism is simply free enterprise. I have the freedom to buy, the freedom to sell, the freedom to try, the freedom to fail. And Paul tells us, if a man doesn't work, neither let him eat. If I work, then I'm able to gain, I'm able to make. If I want to save my money and become wealthy, that's my business. But Paul tells us, here's what the wealthy are to do. But people like Hans Kuhn says, oh no, America who have had the shackles of slavery taken off of them by these socialistic governments that have been common throughout history, have been free to buy, sell, and gain, and make money. We've become the richest nation in the history of the world. And we are, by the way, the most giving nation in the history of the world. Now, I've said all of that to lead us to a couple of things. Well, what does this new religion look like? Well, it has to be worship the earth. So that's exactly what Hans Kuhn says. You have to have a, we have to have a new covenant with the earth between humans and nature because we're destroying the environment, planetary responsibility. This is their religion, reverence for nature. These are quotes that I take right out of his particular book here. The ecosystem, he says, has priority over the social system. 
survival, he tells us, is more important than better living. That is, we have to survive. We have to, we have to give to the planetary cause. And so that becomes their religion. So there's a new ethic, global standards, new religion, joining together of all of these, and they want united religion. But in order to do that, we've been pushing to this point the entire program. What are we going to have to have? We're going to have to have a new book. And so do you know right now, right now while we speak, the United Nations and its sister organization, which is called the World Economic Forum, has a new mission. And that is to rewrite the Bible. That's right. We need a new Bible because we need a new unifying Bible and that will be politically correct. We need a correct one. So the World Economic Forum has once again put forward the idea that we need a new Bible and it has received so much backlash from Christians and conservatives. You can read about it in the Western Journal. The senior advisor is Yuval Noah Harari. He recently proposed the concept of an AI-generated new Bible to establish a unified, correct religion. Harari then candidly expressed the ultimate goal of the globalist agenda for the Bible. AI, he says, can create new ideas, and it can even write a new Bible. Well, why do we need a new Bible? Well, as Hans Kuhn and the globalists all those William Swings, those Episcopal bishops, the Pierre Chardon, those Catholic bishops of yesteryear, and the Swiss Catholic bishops, and the Episcopal bishops, they all say the Bible's not inspired. And you, by the way, you go to the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, or you go to the National Council of Churches, and you'll find exactly the same thing. They don't believe the Bible's inspired of God. No, 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 not at all. We need a new one. And who's going to give it? Now the World Economic Forum says, as the spokesman saying, his name is Harari, he says, we need a new Bible. So I want you to listen carefully to what Harari has to say regarding the new Bible that we need. He elaborates, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence. There you have it. We wanted a superhuman book by a non-human entity. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct. Just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI, artificial intelligence, that can be a reality in a few years. So Harari, his fellow globalists, they want a contemporary book. They want a modern book. They want a new Bible. And the Bible we have is all fake, fake news. It's a fake book. And I'll tell you this, this is interesting. Let them step up to the plate. I'm happy to discuss in any polemic platform with any one of them or all of them that the Bible's the inspired, all-sufficient Word of God, and it is the final revelation from God to man, and it is the correct inspired book that is superhuman intelligence, God-given. And all of that we're reading about, the new Bibles, the united religion, all of that are false religions and false books. But you don't have anybody wanting to stand up on a polemic platform and say, let's discuss it. Let's debate it in a rational fashion. All you want simply, they want the united religion connected, hardwired 
joined at the hip with the United Nations global government, pushing it down and erasing the Bible that we have. That's what they're after. The United Nations, United Religions, they're after you. They're after the Bible, the holy book of God. 